0: The first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball.
1: You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs podcast on cracksidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackSidewalks.com. Thanks for uh, your patience and an extra day before we got the podcast out. There was a little football game going on on Sunday that we had to, well, by we, I guess me, but maybe all of you did, had to focus on. But uh, now we are ready to talk basketball again, Phil, and uh, what a glorious weekend it was, even without football.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything's coming up, Joe, this weekend, but, uh, you know, you got to enjoy National Marquette Day and and uh we're got a very pleasant victory over over rick patino so uh it was a it was a very solid marquette basketball week and we're now a number four team in the country
1: number four i suppose that's one of the upsides of waiting until monday to record our podcast is we actually have the national rankings and as we kind of thought uh was a chance marquette would be a top five team and they did thanks to a little help they got during the week kansas state beating kansas our old friend Brent down there in College Station beat Tennessee, knocked them down a peg. And so, yeah, Marquette uh, yep, is the yep. number one team in the 60, country. He got out
0: 60 feet out under the, the court to call a timeout, but he did do us a favor.
1: <laughs> yeah. No hate. No hate for that. So, <laughs> But, yeah, that was hilarious. If you haven't seen the video of Buzz Williams calling a timeout, like, literally in the middle of the floor. Pretty funny. But we're not here to talk about past coaches. We're here to talk about the current Marquette squad. And, um, yeah, we'll just start, I guess, with... National Marquette Day. We have a lot to talk about in today's show, but especially the game against St. John's. We're going to look into a big week that, of course, I'm sure you all know uh, will end with a game at Connecticut, but we actually have to talk about the Butler game before we get to that one, too, because that's a big game. But I, I just want to start with the vibes from National Marquette Day, Phil. Um... So many good things going on that day as far as there were watch parties nationwide. There was the game itself, which was being a 5 o'clock tip. Sounded like it was just a rowdy crowd, a record crowd there. And they had blue and gold brewing to enjoy. They had the beer can on sale there in addition to 77s. Uh, what an atmosphere. Take me to first just in the arena and what it was like uh, at Fiserv Forum. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, the the you know they know what they're doing when they put uh, National Marquette Day on in the, the afternoon, evening uh, in Milwaukee. We had... Uh, pretty decent weather wasn't too cold. So, uh, there were lots of people out and about and the energy was, uh, was palpable even before you got into the stadium and then you got into the stadium and, and the place was juiced. Uh, I mean, from the tip, they did the, uh, they did the, the African-American national anthem or, or, or I, I can't remember what the official title for it is. Lift every voice. Um, they, there was juice for that. The singer was, was awesome with that. And then they. They did the national anthem and the singer was good and the place was juiced i mean you could have sang anything and that place would have gone crazy so everyone was <laughs> was ready to go and uh and excited and i believe the beer can was sold out at the pfizer relatively quickly and uh you know we'll, we'll review that beverage in in a little more detail here coming up but uh yeah the, the place was hopping and you know, it was it was interesting because in the uh, in the first half, you know, Marquette struggled a little bit, um, and we'll talk about that more specific- specificity. Um, but the crowd kind of quieted a little bit, but they were ready to to jump in at every moment. So you know, the team is, is kind of living on good vibes right now, and it was it was great.
1: Yeah, I- and what a game, really. I mean, even though the. The vibes may have been tempered a little bit, the way St. John's came out in that game. I mean, they were just red, red hot. I mean, they, they were making everything. We knew they would be a problem on the offensive glass, but and the, but that didn't catch anybody by surprise. That was just something that you knew Marquette was probably not going to out-rebound St. John's. That you, But there was a chance that they could win the game by doing everything else the way they wanted to, and they shot the ball again exceptionally well. And then to have that comeback in the second half was just uh, – Absolutely phenomenal. You know, and beating Rick Patino always hits different a little bit for me. It's always good to beat him. He was was his first time back in Milwaukee er, in quite a while. So that made it a little sweeter as well. But uh, yeah, like, funny thing is, I have no evidence of this because I wasn't, like, live tweeting during the game because I was actually at a watch party. So I try not to be the person with my phone out during an entire watch party. But I was talking to the people, like, sitting next to me there. It's like, like, even though we're not playing very well and we're losing. I still feel like they can win this game. I just just need St. John's to cool off a little bit, and they did.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, if you look at it, like even on Ken Palm, if you look at it, you know, Ken Palm divides the game into quarters, which I would argue the game should be played in quarters, but, hey, that's neither here nor there. Um, You know, Marquette only lost one quarter the first quarter. The first 10 minutes was a bit of a – uh, a bit of a boat race from from St John's perspective and they they raced out to a, a nine minute or t- nine point lead in the first 10 minutes. And then after that Marquette was even or you know ahead of of St John. So it really was just a matter of kind of overcoming that initial f- flourish that that came from St John's. Um, I don't consider this me praising R- Rick Patino, but uh, credit to him for going full suit and tie, you know, I, I, I love Shaka's fit, but you know, walk on the sidelines in the suit and tie with, you know, just that tinge of uh, devil's advocate air behind you, you know, that, that works for, for some, but uh, I do yeah, respect
1: the, the full suit vibe on coaches who do it. There are very few who still yes. do it. And I think Mick Cronin still does it, but yeah, I do respect the, the full suit vibe, no matter who you are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so it was, and Rick was, was coaching hard early. He called an early timeout kind of got St. John's uh, back on track, and, and uh, you know, they're a tough team. They play with a lot of energy. Um, their style is a little tough for Marquette's defensive scheme, which I think is what we saw because Marquette wants to switch a lot, which, you know, Marquette can switch one through five on St. John's, but St. John's moves so rapidly that, that Marquette kind of gets caught in switches and stuff like that, and I think that that kind of showed up. And and like you said, you know, St. John's was hitting guarded shots um, pretty much the entire first half, which which helped contribute to that uh, um, to that score uh, going into halftime with with Marquette down nine. Um, but uh, thank God for uh, Tyler Kolick, Stevie Mitchell, and uh, David Joplin. Those those guys were uh, some real heroes on Saturday.
1: Yeah, they, they. I mean, St. John's might call them the anti heroes, but they were definitely heroes to the Marquette squad in attendance. They you know, Tyler Kolick, another national player of the week, or another Big East player of the week, I should say. Uh, he absolutely phenomenal. Twenty seven points, thirteen assists, seven rebounds. He's got a. I think he's got a triple double in him at some point. I don't know when it's going to happen, but uh, he just puts up the kind of numbers that make me think. One of these nights, he's going to turn in a triple-double, which would be the first one Marquette has seen uh, since Dwayne Wade in the Elite Eight. But Kolek, uh, he... Before I totally shift gears and get away from this game, Phil, I just got to say, he is shifting into another gear, like a first-team All-American gear right now, and just putting the rest of the league on notice that he is not ready to give up his title as best player in the Big East, nor is he ready to give up the title of... Biggie's champion just yet. I mean, he is playing, I, I dare say, better than he was a year ago when he was the Biggie's player of the year.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there was, uh, you know, in that game, there were moments where, where Tyler Kolick absolutely just owned the game, right? Which I, I, I think he had, you know, a moment here or there where he was the absolute star of the game, but that entire second half was, was a Tyler Kolick show. Um, in fact, if you look at it, Tyler Kolick and Stevie Mitchell, Stevie scored all of his points in the second half, scored 14 points in the second half. Tyler Kolick scored 25 of his 27 in the second half. The two of them alone outscored St. John's in the second half, right? And so that was that was just a Tyler Coleck clinic. It you know, he was shooting. Um, you know, he he was shooting better than than uh um Sixty percent from three. He was generating twos. He was getting assists. He had he had uh, thirteen assists, nine rebounds, and and twenty seven points. That's just an obscene stat line. Like I, there's really nobody else in the country that is that is playing like Tyler Kolick has in the month of February. Right? Like, is there a is there a guard you would take over Tyler Kolick if Tyler Kolick continues to play the way he's played this month?
1: No, not a one. Not a one. He is Marquette's All-American. He's our leader, and he is playing at an extremely high level, like you said. I mean, he's shooting the ball with such confidence right now. You said he was 5 of 8 from 3. He's got his three-point percentage for the season back above 40%. You'd love to see that. And, you know, somebody pointed out on Twitter, I forget who it was. I think it might have actually been a St. John's fan that said it. But it's a very small thing, but just towards the end of the half, he hit that three to cut it to nine, and then comes out in the second half, Marquette had the ball first. Mm-hmm. And hit another 3. That was a very quick 60 run. That cut the lead from 12 to 6 very quickly. And all of a sudden it's like, well this is a very you know manageable deficit that we have. And just the way he's which, it was kind of like a, how a team in football would, you know, get a touchdown or a field goal right before the half and then they get the second half kickoff and score again and how quickly that can turn a game around. A lot of football NFL teams love to do that or you know football teams at all levels I suppose, but um That was a very quick thing that certainly Marquette probably wasn't planning on that way, but it happened to Marquette's benefit to get the three at the end of the half, get the ball right back, and get another three. Very quick 6-0 run, and all of a sudden you're only down six, and all of a sudden you're like, all right, this game is very much within our reach, and it was. And just Tyler just had so many um, just confident plays, not just shots, but he had that one wraparound pass that I thought it definitely went made the rounds on social media of like the the angle he took to get that ball around three defenders. And he did say he was trying to get chase, but Stevie just happened to be right there and he kind of intercepted it, I guess, and got a layup and maybe it ended up better than even Tyler thought it would. But man, just the confidence he is now showing in everything he does, shooting, driving to the basket, passing in traffic, Um, he... Uh, he, he, he may have some work to do but he's got games to do it but he has some work to do to get to the big East player of the year but he is right back in the mix for that award
0: yeah absolutely and and again he's do he's impacting all facets of the game right like he's playing strong defense he's, he's you know you could you could say there have been better offensive um players that have played for Marquette at the guard position right but but those those offensive players short of probably Dwayne Wade, um, did did not have you know the same level of contribution on the defensive end, right? Like I would I would say you know the best two way guards at Marquette is is probably a short list of Dwayne Wade, Jarrell McNeil, uh, probably Dominic James, right? But Tyler Kolick is well maybe not quite the all round player those guys are he's no slouch on defense and the offense is just ridiculous in creating for others. And I know he said he was going for, for chase Ross, but whether it was chase Ross or Stevie Mitchell, they were both wide open and I have no flipping clue how he even saw it. Like he was, he was, you know, he was a fouled, um, you know, watch that replay a couple of times. And that is the definition of jumping into a player. Right. So maybe Tyler can finally get some calls at some point, but that was you know, just a ridiculous ridiculous play and kind of personifies just the how did he do that and why did he even think to do that? that that is the the Tyler Cole, Tyler Kolek experience, you know and and I will say you know, we were kind of lamenting where he was in January and the shooting woes and and that sort of stuff. But if you look at his season totals, um, we've got, what, eight games to go, and his three-point shooting percentage, two-point shooting percentage, and free-throw shooting percentage are all higher this year than they were last year when he won Big's Player of the Year, and if the volume pace continues, he will have taken more shots of all of those things except for maybe three free-throws because they don't call fouls when Tyler Kolick's driving. Um, But, you know, he's, he's taking more twos, he's taking more threes than he did last season, and he's making them at a higher rate. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, and his confidence of playmaking just permeates throughout the team, and everybody just plays a little better. Everyone has a little more space to work with, right? You get a few more open looks. Uh, I you know I, I don't necessarily have the stats to back all this up, but I feel like just about everybody is just playing a little better. I, I you know Stevie Mitchell is shooting the ball well. He's playing. I mean he's been. Uh, I think uh, Mark Stratman from Paint Touches pointed out he's like one of the top two point percentage guys in the Big East, and he's like the only one in the top ten who's like under six eight, and Stevie's six three. Right. Uh, like in the you know. Like I said, everybody's stepping up a little bit in their own various ways, but it all starts with they they all need a guy to get them the ball. And Tyler is absolutely doing that at an extremely high level. And, um, yeah, I, oppo- opposing fans love to try to get in Tyler's head, but be careful when you do that because if, if he flips that switch and gets locked in, he can just absolutely decimate your team. And he's been doing that to people lately.
0: Yeah, well. It, I, I, I absolutely loved the uh the, the dagger three to put Marquette up eleven where he 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 flashed the Are You Not Entertained uh after the three went in. Like that is that is what makes Tyler Kolick, if he's on your team, absolutely like endearing and lovable, and I'm sure it enrages every other fan base, right? Yeah. He is he is an absolute lightning rod for criticism for other teams because you know he talks a lot of trash and more often than not backs it up. Um, and you know, but it's like, God, you just love a guy that's on on your team that's like that because it just makes it you know so fun. Um, and hey, by the way, new NIL merch. Put a put a put a nice. penny in the machine for that. There's a, a new Tyler shirt that looks pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah, I saw that I dropped on uh, Monday. It looks pretty good. <laughs> Having fun with uh, everything about him from both his personal journey from high school to Marquette, and uh, had the track twelve is my favorite. He's mm-hmm. definitely here's the you can't read chance, and <laughs> like the last thing on there says you can read, He can read, which is absolutely hilarious. He 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 loves to hate. It fuels him. It only fuels his anger. And, yeah, when he's locked in, man, it is an absolute treat to watch. And, that, yeah, that that photo that Marquette tweeted out of it's, like, just Tyler. It like, it, like you said, it's that are you not entertained stance. And there's nothing but fans in front of him. And you're looking at the back of it. Just hang that one in the Louvre. Man, that's probably going to be on a wall in some room, some office, somewhere in the Al McGuire Center next year. Um, yeah. That was yeah. pretty sweet.
0: I, I, I think it may end up in some people's basements, you know, in the yeah, in, that, entertainment centers, right?
1: Yeah. Something for the man cave for sure. Um, but you know, back to the St. John's game. Uh, and just one thing that also stood out was how much Marquette frustrated Joel Soriano. I mean, he had just an awful game. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, he played 17 minutes. He had foul trouble. Uh, he only had two points in the game. One field goal. He only had four attempts. Um, And I think his frustration kind of – the same way Tyler's confidence kind of fed into Marquette. I think Soriano's frustration kind of trickled into St. John's in that second half. Well, they were very confident in that first half. I think it kind of simmered out there, especially as they started to lose Soriano in the second half.
0: Yeah, well, and I don't – I mean, we saw it in the fact that he, you know, he absolutely – Shoved uh, Oso Igadaro after uh, after Oso went for a, a layup and got fouled by Soriano, which you know was further exacerbating his foul trouble. Um, and then Stevie Mitchell, you know, again as we pointed out, six three guy g- getting in the in the face of a six eleven guy. I will say the absolutely office-
1: no fear, right. no fear from Stevie Mitchell.
0: Right, that's that's culture right there. I will also point out. The officials were absolute cowards to call that a, de- a double technical that's ridiculous yep. but you know w- whatever hey poor poor officiate and i will also say um the again it seems to be a recurring theme i thought the officiating was bad but equally bad both ways basically the officials decided in that game because it was very low number of fouls i mean 20 fouls in the entire game is is i, I don't know what what's typical for a game but that's that's pretty low when you think about it. I mean, there's, you could have 20 fouls and a half in, in a college basketball game for sure. So they weren't calling a lot of fouls despite it being a very physical game, which I think does benefit St. John's, right? Like, you know, not that Marquette is soft or, or doesn't, you know, doesn't want to go into contact, but, you know, basically St. John's being able to beat up on Marquette is not a benefit to, to Marquette. Um, but it was it was bad both ways, and you know I I will say I am looking forward to getting out of Big, A, Big East officiating and getting into March, the March tournament because like some of this like yeah go ahead just uh, just collide with whoever you want no calls no worries um, I'm kind of over that but the 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 team won anyway and you know it was interesting I, I'm curious your take at the end of the game in the last couple of minutes there was the the dominant lineup was. Uh, Oso, Tyler, uh, David Joplin, Chase Ross, and Stevie Mitchell. That was kind of the, uh, you know, and it was not a offense-defensive switch. That was the lineup they put in. So kind of notable that Cam Jones, late in the game, he, played, he only played 25 minutes in the game altogether. Stevie played 26, which is pretty typical for him. Chase Ross with 25, which is... Um, well, let me check. I think that's one of his bigger minutes. Well, he had 31 against Villanova, right? So he's, but he's coming on, uh, in terms of number of minutes. So just, I thought it was notable that Cam Jones was on the bench late in the game.
1: Yeah. I didn't know what to think of it much, uh, in the moment, but I, I it just maybe a situation that maybe Shaka liked Chase's potential as a two way guy on the floor mm-hmm. late in that game. Um, Cause Chase is pretty tough defensively. He really is. He, he does a good job out there. And, and Chase has been shooting the ball really well yeah. since he's come back. Um, again, shooting with confidence. Kent, I mean, Kent was fine offensively. Probably not his – definitely not his best offensive game. Uh, I mean, he was 3 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 6 from 3. But I don't think that's necessarily the reason he might have not been out there late in that game. I think it was just more of a uh, again maybe it m- might have been matchups and he just like shock probably just like chases versatility as a guard uh, on the perimeter out there uh, in the late minutes making sure you know St. John didn't get too many open threes and get a last minute chance to get back in that thing and make it close and make it interesting so that, that, I guess that's the only thing I would make out of that situation nothing that I would think would be a big thing going forward just right. a matchup thing and Chase was probably the good defensive guy to have out there.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that makes sense and but again, it also belies the 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 lineup um diversity that that Shaka can deploy, right? If, you know, if you need to guard a lead late, okay, here's here's that defensive lineup. If you need to go get buckets, here's what that lineup looks like. We're in foul trouble? Okay, we've got some got some folks, right? Like this is this is what we talked about coming off the bye and and you could probably argue the first 10-15 minutes of the game was you know, I don't know how much there's rust after, you know, six days off from playing a game. Um, I'm sure psychologically it kind of takes you out if you're used to playing two games a week. Um, it kind of takes you out. So maybe maybe the first 10, 15 minutes of the game was, was just getting back in it. Um, but, you know, we're now, we got eight games to go, you know, essentially four weeks a season here before we start to get into tournament play. Um, the team seems healthy the team seems to have energy and swag that it was maybe not uh, in possession of in in mid-January. So, you know, if we're talking about peaking at the right time, uh, certainly for the regular season, now is the right time to be peaking, and I'm pretty excited about
1: it. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with what you said. Peaking at the right time. If if you're going to struggle, you want to be struggling early and then figure it out and then get rolling as we get into March as opposed to being on top of the world for 60% of the season and all of a sudden things start unraveling down the stretch and all of a sudden you look up, you only got, you know, two or three games left to figure it out. <laughs> and right. It's like, Oh, well now it's too late. I guess this is what we are. Uh, but yeah, like if you go, I'd say like back to December, you know, when, when maybe they started hitting a bit of a skid when they come back from Hawaii, they lost on the road at Wisconsin. Then, you know, they lost Stevie Mitchell to an injury that hurt their rhythm for a little while. They had the Providence loss, and then they had two rough road games in a row. And this was around the time that three-point shooting was really starting to be alarming. Then you lose Chase Ross for a while. Then, by the time you get, you know, it, shortly after you lose him, then you lose Chase, uh, you lose Sean Jones for the season. So, like, yeah, all the 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 struggles from say December through mid-January, part of it due to injuries and losing guys and things going off out of the rotation, you know, the rotation getting thrown off, but also the three-point shooting was just not there for whatever reason. And, like, I think after the Butler game, many of us said, hopefully this is rock bottom, and it just doesn't get any worse than this. And to the team's credit, it hasn't at all. In fact, it was like, that's exactly what it was. It was was rock bottom, and then they bounced off, and, I mean, they were able to, you know, shake it off and then really get some confidence going as the three-point shooting came around. And now, like, like, I would hope. I always hope like the three-point shooting would improve, but like never like in my wildest dreams that I think that they would have five straight games shooting 44% or better, and that's exactly what they've had. 45%, 44%, 45.5%, 45%, 51.9% in the most recent game against St. John's. They are absolutely scorching from three right now, and hopefully that continues. And if it does, these last eight games could be really, really interesting. So I I just think it's uh, a credit to... I think we've said this a few times the last couple weeks, but with each passing win, it becomes more and more true. The way this team has trusted the process, they knew the shots they were taking were good shots, and that they would start falling eventually. They have. And... Now this team is absolutely rolling as they've gotten confidence and they've gotten guys back from injury. Obviously, Sean Jones is not coming back; he's out for the year. But you got Chase back. Uh, you know, Cam missed a little bit of time. He's back. He had an excellent game against Georgetown. So, and then you know, he and Tyler are both shooting at such a high level, and Oso has been playing at an all Big East level for pretty much all of this winning streak, if not all season. So, yeah, it they are clicking at the absolute right time, and this is the, definitely the week when you want to be clicking because the biggest test awaits.
0: Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, again, it's, it's good to get the, 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 you know, and that George, well, the Georgetown game was, was even the week before, right? Like, but again, they're building confidence where they need to get the home win when they need to. And now it builds into this week going into Butler and Yukon. And you just got to hope that the, the shooting and the confidence continue because that's going to be critical, because Butler's not necessarily an easy place to play. Butler's kind of playing tough right now. Uh, and then, of course, UConn is, you know, I think I think it's fair to say they are the undisputed number one team in the country right now. Um, they're on something like a, a 13, you know, 13 t or 13 game winning streak or something like that now marquette's no slouch right like when you said rock bottom marquette's got a seven game winning streak that's the ninth longest in the in the country so you know if we can continue to 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 string some 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 wins together here like the momentum feeds on itself right and that that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you want to see because if if we can get through this next week um you know, let's say we go two and zero this week. The schedule definitely opens up for a week or two where you could, you know, you're talking the potential of being on like a a ten or eleven game winning streak. uh When when UConn comes calling uh, in March, that would be crazy. That game will be nuts at you know at the FI serve. So uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but. Again, the team is, is playing with the right kind of confidence and capability and with everybody seemingly healthy at just the right time to meet the, the, the most challenging part of the schedule. I think, I think this Butler-Connecticut series, I wouldn't have suspected it early, but I think this Connecticut-Butler series in a week is probably our toughest like week of basketball on the schedule that we've seen.
1: Yeah, I, I would say it is. Uh, it's 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 a critical week, and yeah, it's a it's a tricky game because it, the podcast privilege of looking ahead is what we are able to do as we talk about Connecticut. But it's only two games away. But yeah, this uh, this trip to Hinkle a bit treacherous. It's a little tricky, as you remember, like the last time these two teams played, Marquette lost to Butler, and that was probably the worst effort of the season, worst game of the season, I should say. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd say worst effort, but it was the worst game. Um, Marquette just abysmal from three in that game just inexplicably bad just uh, 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 just an effort we haven't seen all year and hopefully we'll never see again they were five of 31 from three in that game just uh, we came away from that game just scratching our heads like how did that happen like I, I think they could play a hundred more games and not shoot five from 31 from three again uh and then Butler took advantage to their credit they're tough defensively posh Alexander as usually is just <laughs> elevates his game and has incredible has very good games against Marquette and just seems to always play well. He is a uh, he is certainly a pest against the Golden Eagles, but yet, yeah, but now they they get a chance to run it back. I guess in a strange way, Phil. I, I think the fact that Marquette lost to this team the first time it should make it very easy for Shaka and the staff to have them focused on Tuesday's game without having to think about Saturday. If maybe in another situation where if they had say blown Butler out at home the last time, yeah. Look-ahead spot, and it is a look-ahead spot. It is a clear valley game. When you're talking gambling and the the tricky spots, that's exactly what this is. Coming off at of a big, emotional, awesome win on Saturday against St. John's, you got the huge one on Saturday against the number one team in the country, but you got a trip to Hinkle in between. It is a one of the trappiest trap games I have ever seen, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it is definitely a dangerous game for Marquette. But the fact that they lost the last time, I expect this team to be. Excuse me. Fully locked in on this trip to Hinkle, and I, I you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that they are going to get it done. Just because they, I think they have something to prove after the last time these two teams got together.
0: Well, I, I agree. I think what's what's interesting is, and I I suspect the team has had this game kind of circled on the calendar here for for a little bit, because every time Shaka is in public or you know on his radio show, he. Anytime the Butler game comes up, he he never says it in a way that you're like he's mystified at how they possibly lost, but he he clearly has has the the idea that man that entire game was an aberration and we need to correct it right. Um, so I don't I don't think Shaka or the team is going to take that Butler game lightly. I think they're going to come out and 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 want to prove like look that game was a fluke. Um, we absolutely should be able to beat these player these this team even on the road um I think it's interesting where where these teams are right now because if you if you go to Ken Palm and you sort you sort the data based on conference only um Mark you know Butler's defense is nine out of 11 so so in the conference only games Butler's defense has been not good they don't turn teams over um, they allow uh you know lots of scoring uh marquette's offense is is number two in the conference so should be good good matchup there marquette's got a good offense butler's defense is maybe a little question marquette per the stats i i i i'm a little shocked by this maybe maybe you aren't marquette's the number one defense in conference play in in the big east i did not i did not think that would be the case but uh, that the, wouldn't
1: have been, They might not have been my first guess, but I wouldn't have guessed them to be any lower than three. Like you know, I, I right. guess I would have assumed Ken, Connecticut was maybe one, but yeah, I wouldn't say I'm shocked by that. But again, it wouldn't have been my first guess.
0: Right. So so Marquette's Marquette's defense is is number one per efficiency on Ken Palm. Butler's offense is number three uh, from a from an efficiency standpoint. So it, it'll be very interesting. Butler in conference play is not turning the ball much all, at all, whereas Marquette's defense is turning people over a lot. So that's kind of the, on the, the defensive end for Marquette. There will be some some tension there. Are they going to be able to generate the turnovers they need uh, to get out and run? Because Butler's able to, you know, I hate their shot selection. I, if, if you guys have watched any, Any Butler basketball, it feels like 1987, you know, basketball theory going on by by Thad Mata. Um, You know, there's lots of mid range, lots of fadeaways, and 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 that sort of stuff, and it drives me insane. But but they're making them, so they're they're only inefficient if you don't make them. So that's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting dynamic. You know, Hinkle is a weird place to play. I don't think we've... I'd I'd have to go look, but I don't think we do very well in Hinkle. Um, So there's, you know, kind of multiple things all working at once. I think at the end of the day, if you're looking at it, I think Marquette can, and, you know, you could maybe go so far as to say should win that game, but it is going to be a tight game. Like, this is not by any stretch of the imagination, do I think there's a laugher here.
1: Oh, no way. I mean, they are... When you're going on the road against... Especially a Butler team that is... Fighting for its tournament lives, I, I think they're probably on the outside look might be on the outside looking in right now, but they are certainly in the mix for a tournament spot. And what better way to move up on the S curve than to beat the number four team in the country? Yep. So they're going to want this one pretty badly, and they've got they probably feel confident based on the fact that they played so well in Milwaukee the first time. So yeah, and that crowd's going to be behind them. Yeah, you, it, it's a tough play. I don't have the numbers in front of me, and as far as their all-time record at Henkel, but I I know it's never going to be an easy place because those fans (laughs) love their team. And it's a a historic gym, and it's a great place to play. But um, Ken Palm has this as a three-point spread in Marquette's favor uh, for this game. 78-75 is the predicted score. But yeah, you you mentioned Marquette's ability to turn teams over. They rank 12th in the entire country. Uh, in turnover rate for a defense. So they are elite at forcing turnovers, speeding teams up, getting those deflections. That's been a Shaka staple ever since he took the job. They want deflections. Deflections lead to steals, turnovers, block shots, what have you. Marquette is one of the best in the in the country at doing that. Their defense is 15, uh, 16 in the country. Offense is 20, 21. So yep. they're, they're elite. Nationally, offensively, and defensively, as far as the Ken Palm numbers. And and again, those offensive numbers have just been coming up ever since this winning streak's got going. They're top 10 in the country in two point percentage. The three point percentage, which we have well documented very well, has been low all year. All of a sudden, it's getting in that upper third of the country. It's now up to 125th overall, 34.8 on the season. And yeah, I I think if. yeah, it, it may come down to fit what you were saying, Phil, some of those wild shots that Butler does put up or maybe the ill shots that Marquette just doesn't put up as far as mid-range shots and things like that. If Butler's putting those up and missing them, could be a good day for our guys. Uh, if they are hitting some lucky shots like that again, might be a little tougher. But uh, I, I still think as long as Marquette can avoid another 5 from 31 showing from 3, uh, I, li- I like their chances to go into India and... Come out with a W.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I do like their chances, and and to your point earlier about Butler is is playing playing for something, right, and and playing for the postseason. Um, just looking at the Big E schedule this week, Butler's seven and six. So if Butler were to win against Marquette, they would go to eight and six. Um, Xavier and Seton Hall are playing each other, so if Xavier beats Seton Hall, then you know there would be you know three a three way tie for for fourth place there all at all at eight and uh, eight and six. So you know that's that's a good position for Butler to be in. So they you know they do not want to take a loss here, so they're going to give it give it their best, and Marquette's going to have to you know, gonna play like they're gonna have to play like their hair's on fire, right? They're gonna have to come in with the confidence. They're gonna have to, it's gonna be a delicate balance, right? Between remembering what was in that Butler game and not letting it happen again, um, but not over-dwelling on it, right? Like, cause if you go out there and you're, you're thinking, okay, man, we gotta do better than we did that last Butler game and your first shot misses, it's easy to start thinking about that second shot. Oh, is this going to go in, or is uh, is the is the Butler ghost back? Right, like that's yeah. that's that's going to be part of the psychology that uh, that Shaka is going to really work on. And and you know, there's no one I trust more with that than than Shaka and the staff. Um, but this is this is going to be a very interesting game. I, I think Marquette can win. I think they will win. Um, but there's going to be some back and forth with this one, for sure.
1: Yeah, another another thing to remember about the first Butler matchup, that was the first full game without Chase. Chase got yep. hurt in the Seton Hall game. He played two minutes and left that one. So that was the first. So Marquette came into that Butler game knowing they didn't have Chase, and then they lose Sean Jones later that game. So, I mean, just a the fact they weren't shooting well anyway and then just to have that blow to the psyche to deal with for the remainder of it, it wasn't a good game for the mentals for Marquette that first game and I think they are mentally as strong as they've been all year they're, they're confident they're playing very confident they know what's coming up on Saturday but they know they got to get this one first and uh, like I said before the, the fact that the way the first game went, I do not expect this team to overlook Butler like if, if they go in and lose I'm not going to say it's because they were looking past Butler because I'm very confident that they are not.
0: Right. One will be interesting. I mean, Butler's been, you know, Butler's been pushing hard, right? They haven't really had a big break and they only really play, you know, five or six players, right? I mean, uh, Telford, Brooks, Alexander and Davis play the lion's share of minutes for them. Um, So with with Marquette's pace. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Oso Iguodaro, he hasn't had a bad couple of weeks, but he, you know, he was red hot in January and I think he's cooled off a little bit. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if Oso gets an opportunity to step up and, um, you know, makes, make some plays. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Marquette should be able to go out there and then just push. I mean, again, where you are healthy or as healthy as we're going to get, they should be able to push the pace, get out there, generate some offense, um, and and get out of there with a win. Yeah.
1: And the thing about Oso too, uh, not everybody can score twenty five every night, right? right? Like when 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 Tyler or Cam have been cooking like they have the last couple games, you know you don't exactly need twenty twenty five from Oso. I mean, uh, you know, ten point game may be plenty, and it just depends on who's got the hot hand. Make sure you're feeding that guy, and lately it's been Colek. But we'll. See who shows up with the hot hand. Hopefully, multiple players for the Golden Eagles on Tuesday. All right, so you and I, you and I are kind of on the same page with that game. Cautiously optimistic about a win, realizing yep. it's a trap. Feel like the team feels good about it, but I, 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 you know, I feel like going kind of along with the Ken Palm projection. Maybe a three-four point win uh, at Hinkle on on Tuesday is what I'm hoping for. But um, you, you, I assume you're probably in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. Points. I was
0: going to say somewhere
1: in the three to five range. All right, very good. So, shall we talk Saturday?
0: Ooh, uh, is anything going on Saturday? What's going on?
1: Something significant. Mm. Um, Yeah, Mm. something significant. The number four team in the country will be playing the number one team in the country. The reigning national champions against the reigning Big East champions. UConn is in first place in the league. I've said a few times on the pod, I don't feel like they're catchable, but they feel more and more catchable with each passing Marquette win. So, is it over now? Definitely not. Definitely not. Marquette has a chance if it can take care of business on Tuesday. They can make this Big East chase a little interesting by going into uh, this game's in Hartford, right? That's at the XL yes. Center.
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: All right, so going into Hartford on Saturday and taking on UConn, and yeah, this game is you know when the schedule came out back in the you know back in the fall, I think that's what we all wanted to know was when is the first time Marquette and Connecticut butt heads again. And, yeah, we had to wait a while on this one, but now it's here. And, I, like, I am – like, I'm kind of buzzing for it right now, even though Marquette still has a game before it. And UConn has a game too, but they played DePaul, so it's essentially a bye week for them. But, man, uh, what an opportunity on Saturday against this Connecticut team that – I mean, they've been – look, they've been awesome, right? Like, mm-hmm. yep. you don't have to like them. You don't have to like them, but you have to respect them. They've only got two losses on the season – uh, they lost to Kansas back in uh, back in December, December 1st. They uh, didn't have uh, Castle for that game. They lost at Allen Fieldhouse, where many people go and lose. And then they lost to Seton Hall to open Big East play. That was the game when they lost Klingon. Other than that, they've not only been winning, they've been blowing out almost every opponent. I mean, their, their Ken Palm numbers are off the charts. They're, they're the number three team on Ken Palm, by the way. They're number one in the country in the AP poll, but uh, Ken Palm has them three at the moment, but... Man, I'm excited for this game, but man, uh, what a challenge! And I, I don't know where you start uh, with the Huskies, Phil, when you're breaking them down because there's just so much to be aware of as far as the guys who can hurt you, the guys who can go off for twenty-something points any given night, and just the depth and the talent they have on this team. They are they are quite a squad.
0: Yeah, I would I would say this is probably Marquette's biggest challenge and. Not not to say that like that UConn is head and shoulders above say a Purdue or a Kansas or, or what have you, um, but I think what makes this relatively unique, right? Purdue is Zach Eady, you know how are you going to stop him? Plus you know some strong guard play, but but Connecticut has you know they're 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 amphibious, right? Or ambidextrous. They 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 can they can win left handed. They can win right handed. Um, I, I stumbled on my own joke. I always refer to being Amazes in fifty. I I got, I got the joke.
1: I got the joke. I forget who was who like there was an NBA player who made that joke unintentionally one time, but no, it's a good one.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know, so so UConn can win many ways. And and, you know, when you look at their roster, they're deep, right? They have you know, so they shouldn't really be bothered by foul trouble. Um, you know, except for maybe if Klingon gets into foul trouble. But even then they have options they can play, smaller ball um you know they have strong guard play um, they shoot well from range um you know they've got several f- players shooting over 40 percent cam Spencer and, and Alex Caravan are both shooting 40 percent from three Newton Newton and Castle are serviceable in, in at the 30 percent um so you know, they've got multiple weapons, you know, you've got, what do you do with Klingon? You know, Marquette's going to be without the uh, the Klingon destroyer that was Sean Jones, right? Like, so, you know, Sean Jones was able to, to defend and uh, attack Sean or uh, uh, Donovan Klingon several times last season. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Marquette chooses to attack this UConn defense. Cause it's, it's, it's kind of pretty good.
1: Yeah, the one thing I'll remember from last year's games is I, I was almost relieved when Sunogo came into the game last year because of that yes. Klingon was going to the bench. Because the game that UConn won last season, Klingon absolutely dominated that game. Yep. He was just like, God, this this freshman is just killing us. I hope he goes pro, and he didn't. He comes back. Um, now he missed some time with an injury, but he's healthy now, and now his uh, he's, he's eligible on Ken Palm for all the stats that put him in – You know, nationally ranked, and he's way up there in, you know, blocks and defensive rebounding and two-point percentage, and he's just he's offensive rating. He's a load, man. He's but and he's might be the fourth best offensive option, right? I mean, Tristan Newton. Yeah, you mentioned he's not like an elite three-point shooter, but he does everything else outstanding. His assist rate is very high. He takes care of the ball. He's a good rebounder for a guard. Um, And then yeah, the, the the even if you are able to Slow down, Klingon, or neutralize Newton in some way. Then you've got those guys shooting forty percent or better from three in Carabin and Spencer, and they're just, so it's just like, how many guys can you stop? And that's this is going to be the the biggest test for Marquette's defense. Is I mean, can you stop everybody? Like like, in just or where pick your poison as far as who is going to get off and who's going to get loose or who you're going to double off of, and just hope you're stopping just enough. That, and getting enough rebounds that you can start your own offense and, and, and try to win a game against Connecticut. Um, man, it... Yeah, but the way Marquette has been playing lately, there's no other time this season when I would have rather played UConn, except maybe when Clayton was out. But that aside, but uh, as far as Marquette's concerned, the way Marquette is playing, this is the time that I would want to play Connecticut is with Marquette playing the way they have for the last seven games.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, and and it's gonna be a crazy game, right? I mean, UConn's got a the the, the longest uh, uh, winning streak in the country at twelve, and I'm presuming it'll probably it will be, be thirteen.
1: 13. Probably yeah. be thirteen by the time we see him.
0: If it's not thirteen, holy crap! <laughs> what the that hell? would
1: be? That would be the upset of the college basketball season. There would be I, nothing that would come close to that. Right. But yes, it will be thirteen on Sat by Saturday. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. So. Um, you know, that you know that that crowd is going to be crazy, um, you know, and, and it's going to be, you know, I, I hate to give credit to Danny Hurley and, and, and you know, the UConn staff and stuff like that. But they, you know, what they are doing with with this, you know, yes, they got a ton of talent, they've recruited a ton of talent, but stylistically and approach wise, it's not dissimilar to to Marquette, right? Um, they are an extremely efficient offense, they shoot, you know, they're they're going for unguarded threes and shots at the rim, right? They don't take mid-range shots. You can't force them into bad shots. So that's gonna be one of the things that's interesting where, where I do think they have maybe a little bit of weakness where where Marquette has a strength is is they're a little sloppy with the ball. Not not terrible, but a little sloppy. So if Marquette can can generate some turnovers, get some runouts maybe get some some foul calls going its way. You know, maybe that that puts Connecticut's offense on its, on its heels. Um, but that's going to be, to me, that's going to be the decisive factor is what does Marquette's defense do against Connecticut's offense? Because I, I know Connecticut's defense is very solid, but especially the way they're shooting right now, Marquette can absolutely generate enough offense to beat UConn. I, I worry can they get enough stops to 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 kinda keep this game in range.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, as big of a problem as Klingon is, Marquette has, you know, done well against, you know, elite bigs. Like, I mean they yeah, they lost to Purdue, but they I thought they played E D pretty well. Uh, you know mm-hmm. Oso was up for that challenge that was just a day after he went up against Hunter Dickinson and two days after he went up against Adembona. Um, like Oso and is up for that challenge of facing an elite big and Joplin is more up for that challenge and say I think he was back in November yeah. certainly more than he was a year ago I think he's got more help there and I, I, I think Ben Gold is ready to contribute as well um, if Marquette does need a little more size in this game which maybe it will uh, and you know, you know, they got to get out there and guard Caravan, too, right? Because he, he stretches the floor as well as anybody in the Big East with both his, his size and shooting ability. It's just a – they're a tough matchup. But, man, uh, when Marquette wants one and, like, when they really want a win and they want to get after it defensively and shoot the ball well, man, th- th- we saw it last year against those, you know, those second two games against Connecticut and those – um the Well, the home game and then the Big East tournament game. They just wanted that game. And, like, they just came out with a defensive effort in that, especially in that Big East tournament game, uh, that just, I think, probably caught Connecticut by surprise. Like, they thought, you know, this is ours. Now. And Marquette's like, nope, it, it's mine. We're taking this. And they did. And, uh, yeah, I, the thing is, Connecticut is elite. They've won the five national championships. But they... They find Marquette annoying because we have that Big East title. Granted, they, like, you want you want the national title over anything else. I get that. I get that. But Connecticut wants the Big East title back. They haven't won one since they've been back. And right. Marquette has it. Marquette's the reigning champs until someone knocks him off. And I, I think the goal here is to still be a little annoying for a little bit longer. Right? Before we hand it over and say, all right, you've won it this year. I'd like to be annoying for maybe just a few more weeks before – a new regular season King is crowned. And I, I don't think this Marquette team is ready to concede that just yet, which is why I, I think we're going to see something pretty special from this team on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I think you're right. Or I, I certainly hope you're right. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. This is the week where, where Marquette has to absolutely put it all together. If they win that Butler game going into that Yukon game, um, they've, they've got momentum, right? Both from what the way they're playing and if they can steal a win against UConn, UConn's only got a one-game advantage in the conference play, right? And UConn has some, some tough games coming up, but so does Marquette. So that regular season title, even though apparently UConn fans don't care about it, um, is is up for grabs now. If they lose that game, I, I'd say it's it's essentially done. So UConn yeah. has that that kind of incentive to say, hey, let's let's put this to bed now and and be done with it. Um, but like, you know, there is every reason to be up for this game. This is, this is the type of game that Marquette and Shaka have been building for all season, right? They got up for these games against, uh, in, in Honolulu. Um, they got up in the last seven games when they needed to. Um, I think, you know, after getting hit by some injury bugs right there, there inju- are three losses in conference play all involved uh, players being out on injury. Um, I, I think this is the time where they say, hey, look, let's show everyone what we actually are. I think it's going to be a tight game. I know last year we, we got blown out in Connecticut. But I think this is the year where they, they kind of have that chip on their shoulder and they say, hey, let's let's not have a repeat of last year. We're playing well. Uh, let's come in with some confidence and, and kind of take it to them and see where it goes.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you kind of touched on it uh, earlier there, what you were saying, that I think Connecticut fans are looking at this as, let's put the Big East title out of reach this week. They wouldn't clinch it with a win, but they would be so far ahead from any contender – it's just like you know connecticut's not going to lose 4 out of 5 and let it slip away if after that if it happens right like if right. connecticut wins this game they would be up they would be 3 games clear of their next closest competitor which would still be marquette um so like they would have, like there's no way that connecticut would lose so many games down the stretch that that lead would shrink so that's what i think connecticut fans are looking at yes not officially clinching the big east regular season title but it would be all but over if if they defeat Marquette on Saturday, so it's kind of like a coronation of some sorts. It's like yeah, the league's ours now. It, we're taking it over. But Marquette again, they could just be annoying, and just be they wouldn't tie or anything, but they would be within one game, and we would all know there's one game left between those two teams coming up in a few weeks. So having the Big East title outright would you know not. It would not be done for Connecticut. They they would have... They, all of a sudden, there would be some pressure on them to say, well, now we got to go to Milwaukee and win one. So, yeah, I, two different mindsets, but on the same goal. Both these teams want the Big East title. Marquette has it at the moment. I mean, they're the reigning champs, but Connecticut is in the driver's seat for this year's title, and they want to put it away. And, man, I, I'm i hyped for it. I, I'm disappointed in some ways. I feel like Fox should have this game in primetime. Now, I don't know if they're going to do any kind of pregame stuff because, like, Fox doesn't have, like, a um, like big noon f- Saturday on Fox like they do for football or anything. But now that football season is over, like, this is going to be, I think, a very just uh, anticipated game as long as Marquette – even if Marquette loses to Butler, but I don't. Th- hopefully that doesn't happen. But um, th- the fact that, you know, people who have had their weekends filled with football for several months now, they're maybe starting to catch up on college basketball. So, all right, who's – what big game we got this weekend? Oh, we got number four against number one. Wow. I would check out that game. I mean, it's a Saturday afternoon game. Maybe in some regards that might even be better than being on primetime Saturday night. But they are the game is on Big Fox. Uh, I, I I thought I wondered for a minute if like uh, ESPN's college game day might try to make that work, but the basketball version can't really, for many reasons, be I guess at a a, a, a game that's being broadcast by another network. <laughs> because they, they can't right. be in the gym and then clear all that stuff and let the other crew in, whatever, whatever. that all goes into that. But um, it should be the most talked-about game in the whole you know, college bas- basketball national discussion on Saturday. Uh, it should be this game. This is the game of the week. You're looking at two Final Four contenders, the number one team in the country, a Marquette team that is looking – to kind of make a statement and kind of reassert itself as one of the elite teams in the country. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, in some ways, maybe they already have, being a number four team. I don't know how much more higher you have to be to be considered elite again, but beating Connecticut would get it done.
0: Right. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, you know Gary Parish and Matt Norlander are going to Cover this game extensively on their podcast on Friday. It's going to be the talk of of shows and whatnot. So you know this is the opportunity for for casual fans who who haven't been been uh, been watching to uh, to to start watching and and national audience and and you know this is the bright lights that you build for right. Like this team is certainly you know talked about wanting to win a national championship or or wanting to be a Final Four team you're gonna have to beat teams like Connecticut to do it. Um, this is that test, right? They they largely passed that test in Honolulu. Um, you know, they, they kind of hit a swoon there for a little while and and now is the, the next opportunity. So if ever they're gonna be up for a game, this is gonna be the game with with the crowd and the bright lights and, and this is the stage for Tyler Kolick, right? Like, you know, he's going back to the Northeast you know that crowd is going to be coming after him um, if he's ever going to play with that chip on his shoulder and and be be in control, but cocky. This is that game, right? This is this is how Tyler can can go and and lay claim to that. You know, a second potential player of the year, right, for the Big
1: East. Be careful talking smack to Kyler. Yeah, T- talking smack to Tyler. Be careful be careful karma could come back and get you man <laughs> cuz when you get him fired up cuz uh, you know he's i think he again he's kind of whatever funk he may have had mid-season a little bit with his shooting it is gone and hopefully that is not coming back and he's just feeding off some of the hate he gets from fans so taunt at your own risk uh opposing fans when Tyler Kolick is in your gym yeah cuz because...
0: if if you write anything down he can read it and and will yeah, remember he... it
1: he will read and he will remember. And, you know, I, you know I, this Marquette-Connecticut, I, I mean, I, I, can we call it a rivalry? I mean, maybe it's just the fact that they're like the two best teams right now. And there's plenty of back and forth between the fan bases on social media uh, based on everything that went down last year from Marquette taking the regular season, taking the Big East tournament. But then Connecticut going on and winning the whole thing while Marquette had an early exit. And now we come into this year where it was kind of a split as far as preseason picks, who you take in Marquette or Connecticut, and maybe there were a few Creighton picks out there. But, um, yeah, it, like, I I don't know how to characterize the rivalry. Like, it's not like there's, like, bad blood between them or anything, but there's some friendly smack talk between the fan bases, between the social media accounts, from all the, the fan accounts. Um, I think there's a, a healthy respect whether either side wants to rem- admit that or not. But, um, yeah, i curious to see how this like fuels into the court, how the players talk back and forth, uh, what those interactions are like, if the game gets chippy, um, what the talk is like before the game, during the game, after the game. I'm just excited to see what it looks like because this, cliche as it may be, this is going to have a March feel. This should have a March feel to it on Saturday.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly – I don't know if I'd go so far as – I certainly don't think the UConn fans would necessarily – um you know view it as a a straight up rivalry but it, it's certainly a contentious matchup um you yeah. know and, and let's be honest UConn fans generally are just arrogant anyway so like I think that I think <laughs> that makes kinda, you say that I, <laughs> yeah, I'm just putting that out there and you know and so that that rubs you know Marquette and quite frankly all big East fan bases uh the the wrong way a little bit now, some of that arrogance is absolutely earned, right? They have five national titles. They're, they're, they have the potential to go back to back this season. You know, just ask a chief fan how that feels, uh, if you know any. Good. Um, you know, so good. so the arrogance is not undeserved, um, but it does make it for for a contentious game. I I think this will be a very physical game. Um, you know, and again, I you you can you can taunt Tyler at your own peril. Uh, you know, referred to. I, I believe some of the UConn accounts refer to him as Mr. Instagram. Um, I don't believe that uh, you want to call somebody that goes twenty-seven, seven, and thirteen, uh, Mr. Instagram. But hey, that's just me. Um, so I, I, I think it's it's going to be it's going to be a real. I'm hoping it's going to be a real fun basketball game because you know I I will. I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like if Marquette loses a close one or they win this game, I'll consider to some extent that a success, right? Like, yes, if they lose on a last second shot or something like that, obviously in the moment I'll be devastated, but hanging with this UConn team on the road is is another measurement of, you know, what is Marquette capable of, right? That doesn't, you know, we can potentially beat him at home, Maybe we can own Madison Square Gardens again and, and beat them there. Maybe we can beat them in Phoenix, right? Like, you know, this, this is going to be the measure of, of where Marquette stacks up against a clear, very good team. And, and if we have a hard-fought, um, hard-fought game here, that, like, that should restore everyone's confidence in the ability to, to meet the expectations that we set at the beginning of the season.
1: Exactly. Somebody asked us on Twitter, I don't have the tweet on hand, uh, but somebody asked us on Twitter, like, where, where should we should rank, say, winning a Big East title compared to a Final Four, Sweet 16, all that stuff. And so I said, replied, I said, to me that answer is crystal clear. Yeah. This team wants, above all else, to go deep in the tournament. Like, obviously, the deeper the tournament, the better. That's the highest thing. National Championship, Final Four, Sweet 16. And I would put winning a Big East regular season title behind all that. Yeah, you want them all, right? I, if we're going to be greedy, we want all of it. But if this team can only have one thing this season, it, yeah, national championship is what it wants. But, you know, if, if you have to choose between another Big East regular season or tournament title or a Final Four, easily a Final Four, and I would say even between, between that and a Sweet 16, I would choose the Sweet 16 over that stuff right now.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... Had the, yeah, go the ahead. The
1: championship was great, but that is just... But going back to the question you asked me of – or the point you were just making, yeah, I think – yeah, if they go to Connecticut and lose on Saturday, yes, a brief moment of devastation knowing that the Big East title is out of reach. But the big picture would still be in play, and that is – Marquette proving that it belongs on the same floor as the reigning national champs, one of the top teams in the country, maybe the top team in the country, which means they should be able to make a run in March. So, yes, if they go to Connecticut, play well but lose, I would hope the vibes overall would be good, saying, look, we're right there. We are right there, and we just have to maintain being right there into March, and we could see them again in April.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree. That's where that's where we're at. And again, piggybacking off the the Twitter question, I you know, am I going to celebrate if we get a regular season or a Big East title uh, tournament title? Sure, I'll celebrate. But yeah. I I literally do not care about those things as long as Marquette is a healthy and b making a deep run in in March. That is the only thing I care about now.
1: Right. Um, and this is yep. not
0: and and it's not me saying that because, you know, UConn has, um, you know, has a, a, a pretty good lead on the on the conference and a good chance to win it. Right. This is not be going, oh, well, I didn't really want it anyway. I felt that way all season. Like it is to me, it's a lead eight or bust. And anything that stands in the way of getting to a lead eight, I just don't care about.
1: It, w- would you agree that maybe this isn't the way it should be, but this would be the vibes I would have, that finishing second or even third in the Big East, but going to the Final Four, would feel way better than winning another double Big East title and going out in the second round? 100%. I, I, it's, yeah. it's
0: incontrovertible. Like,
1: it, it's like miles difference. I suppose the even thing that would make it a debate, would you rather have... Uh, uh, like the the sweet 16 if the tournament stopped like say you finish second or third in the big east you get to the sweet 16 but you're out there versus another double title out second round
0: i would i would still rather the sweet 16 i want
1: i think I, so too i, I Cause want it's just cause we had we have the title we what? have the title we 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 checked that box did yes. that last year great awesome loved it would love to do it again this this fan base and i think this team would even say we want the tournament success because ultimately that's what it boils down to.
0: I just want to experience again, the idea that for, you know, for five days, you are one of 16 teams being discussed in all of college basketball. Like, and, and again, I still think it's elite eight or bust because, you know, once you get to the elite eight, you know, there's matchups, there's all sorts of stuff, right? Like, yes, I want the final four the, the national title, but that's really hard. Um, right. And, Mm -hmm. but but, you know, Sweet 16 or Elite Eight should absolutely be the expectation. And this, you know, Tuesday, Saturday, this is the, you know, yes, Butler is not the best team in the country, but they're playing solid basketball right now. You're on the road, and then you're going on the road against the number one team. This is as close to a simulation for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight in, in the, the the NCAA, double tur- the NCAA tournament that you're going to get in this season, right? Because um, even like the Maui Invitational wasn't a good simulation because you're playing three days in a row, right? So that's that's that, that's schedule-wise, that's wonky. But like playing on the road at Butler, playing on the road at UConn, the quality of the opponents—if if you can come away certainly one and one—if you but if you come away two and zero, oh, that tells me title title expectations are back on the table.
1: Yeah, I think so. We haven't used the phrase national title contender. I think I put that on ice a while back, but uh, if you want to warm it up, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't have...
0: We got to win two games here this week, but yeah,
1: we got to win two games this week before. Yeah, I might, I might leave it in the leave it in the freezer for now. But um, yeah, well, we'll be talking a lot next week if we get uh, if we get two wins this week, buddy. Ooh, but uh, first, first to take care of that one in Hinkle. But I'm I'm pretty jacked for that game on Saturday, so great opportunity ahead, and again, Marquette is just they are playing great ball, and it, it, it's its a joy to watch them play when they're playing like this, right, and especially when it comes, starts with the leader, starts with Tyler Kolick, but it just kind of trickles out to everybody else, and I don't know, man, just basketball like that just, just doesn't go out of style for me, man, it's just been a thrill, thrill to watch, and I hope it keeps going for oh, I don't know, two more months would be awesome.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, and, and that's maybe you know not to extend this podcast longer, but that's one of the things that yeah yeah we had a couple of down a uh, couple of down weeks there in in December January, but like the style, the swagger, the approach, like this is just awesome basketball, right? Like, could you imagine like not to name names, but just watching plotting, methodical, like I'm shooting mid range jumpers and and just trying to. To to just out rebound people like this the style of basketball the approach the you know the the swagger that the team has man this is enjoyable to watch like and and I just want to keep enjoying it and and we only got a month left too.
1: yeah it's <laughs> coming up pretty soon here March is coming up very very fast but still got some games to get to between now and then all right so we've made our pret- Butler pick dep- predictions do we dare make some predictions for Saturday?
0: Yeah, we probably should. We got to go on record.
1: I have no fear. I love it. If I'm wrong. If I if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care. I've been wrong a thousand times on this podcast. I'll be wrong a thousand more. I say we're going to be annoying for a few more weeks. I, I think this Big East title chase is it's missing just a little bit of chaos, just a little bit. I think we need it. Just can't be this easy for Connecticut, right? Right. It can't be this easy. They may ultimately go on and win this thing. But uh, I say Marquette's going to be annoying for a couple more weeks. Big win Saturday. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, and and see, by big, I'm not talking margin. I'm just talking like, a win.
0: Get a win. And, yeah, the,
1: I mean, it, it will be a heart-stopping final shot type of thing. But Marquette wins. Okay. I
0: love it. Now, here's where I'm struggling. My head says that Marquette can pull off this win. I, I Again, I think UConn has been impressive in their win streak, but they've – They've been had, incredible. Yeah, but they've they've shown some vulnerabilities, right? Like if you think about the St. John's game, the Butler game, um, uh, you know some of those other games that, but you know Butler was in that game at at, at UConn. Um, they just didn't have the horses to to get it across the finish line. St. John's was back and forth with with six seven eight minutes to go, Marquette has the bench. Marquette has the horses that can, can they not only stay with UConn for some of the game, they can stay with UConn for the whole of the game. Um, You know, we're we're gonna need breaks, right? We're gonna need maybe Klingon get into foul trouble or, you know, know, UConn to be struggling shooting whereas Marquette's not, right? Um, You know, my head wants to say Marquette wins by a bucket my my heart wants to say, well, you said they're going to win, so I got to say they're going to lose. So chromatically, it balances out, <laughs> right? Like we can't both just be insane people and say, yeah, we're yes, absolute- we can. <laughs> We've
1: done it for years. Okay,
0: fine. We're going to beat the number one team on the country on Saturday. Done.
1: Hell yeah, hell yeah. Ken Palm has it as a six point spread in Connecticut's favor. Um, i curious. Vegas line my probably might be right around that too. So it probably sounds about right for being honest, but yeah, let's be optimistic. Be, let's have fun. If they us yeah. for being wrong. I don't care. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you move. want, if you want to, if you want to yell at us, yell at us. We couldn't feel any worse about ourselves than we already would if we lost. So you know, might as well, <sighs> might as well go out uh, hoping for the best.
1: Let's do it. Let's have some fun. And again, let's just be annoying for a few more weeks before Connecticut takes the title. If they take the title, maybe they won't. We'll see. As always, folks, you can hit us up on uh, Twitter x twitter i'm joe mccann three phil is m-o-o-o-f 23 at crack sidewalks is the team handle uh you go to cracksidewalks.com post the podcast on there and leave comments on cracksidewalks.com also remember to rate review and subscribe apple podcasts and spotify big week ahead phil are you ready for it
0: oh i i could not be more pumped let's get let's get let's get to tuesday
1: all right you need to calm down we all need to calm down but it's gonna be an exciting week Seashells and balloons, everybody.